I'm about to board a ferry to the island of Kaag, about 40 minutes below Amsterdam, the Netherlands. The ferry is tiny, but so is the island. The building I'm heading to on the other side of the water is not. It's enormous. You can't even see the windmills behind it. This has to be to hide what's inside. It's not a special vault or a bank or for Knox. It's a shipyard, a shipyard for super yachts. And not just any super yachts, but fed ships, the most exclusive and elusive super yacht builder on the planet. And unless you're a billionaire buyer or a master craftsman, this building is kept under lock and key. Do people live on this island? Yeah, they, they do, they do. I'm talking to the ferryman, a tall, skinny man who drives this small yellow ferry. I see a lot of little houses and one big giant uh, shipyard. Is that basically what the island is? Yeah, houses in the shipyard and the rental boats. Do you see a lot of boats here? Uh, yeah. In the summertime, there are a lot of boats here. Uh. How about some yachts from Fedship? Do you see those? Twice a year. <laughs> I have a confession to make. I'm not a billionaire and I'm not a master craftsman. I'm here by pure luck. I'm meeting a Dutchman named Tano who has made me the offer of a lifetime. Hi. Hello. Hey. You're Tano. Hello, John. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for meeting me. Yeah, great to be here. Okay, let's back up a little. My name is John Wyke. I'm a journalist and a writer, and I've spent most of my life writing about luxury brands and experiences. Things like first-class airline cabins or Japanese bullet trains and exclusive hotels. You could say I've experienced my fair share of luxury and privilege, but nothing, and I mean nothing, comes even remotely close to the world I'm about to enter, the world of super yachts. My guide into this world is Tano Wida, head of design at Fedship's design department, Studio de Vogt. After numerous requests to write about Fedship, Tano eventually returned my call and made me that offer I couldn't refuse. He said that if I really wanted to understand the scale, the craft work, and the attention to detail that goes into each fed ship, I had to design one myself. That's right, design my own super yacht. And that's how I, a simple journalist, roughly six zeros shy of being a billionaire, ended up on this ferry. So in the coming weeks, I'm actually going to design my own fed ship, and I'm going to take you with me. If you don't know much about yachting, don't worry. I don't either. This is a peek behind the scenes of pure custom creation, a world where anything is possible and people never say no. It's an experience reserved exclusively for the richest 1% of the richest 1%. Welcome to episode one of Fedship Uncovered, the offer of a lifetime. Tano is a cheerful man with glasses, an impressive beard, and a big smile on his face. And he just so happens to have one of the coolest jobs in the world. I'm the head of the design department of Fetchip at the Vogtnay of Architects. And, um, well, I think our responsibility is to make dreams come true. And how did you get here? Uh, well, uh, it's all chance, I think. <laughs> And did you study maritime technology? Or? No, no, no. It's really industrial design, uh, which, uh, which is the base for my design uh, and our design, actually. So the nice thing about that is the background, you want to combine everything. And in a yard, you have to combine a lot. It's a small village on the water. Everything has to connect. Um, 
and it has to look awesome but work perfectly. Uh, that's the main challenge for everybody uh, in our studio. And so you've given me this great opportunity. I get to design my own yacht, right? You're right, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, I have a feeling I don't really oversee everything. What can I expect? What's going to happen today? Expect it, expect it. <laughs> No, you can't. You can't. I, you can't oversee it. And don't worry. We we help out. We're there for for you, and uh, we love to do this. And if I don't know it, someone very nearby knows it. Because that's the nice thing about being in a in Fetchup, with all the people that we know around us and know where to ask the right question. We get the right answer. Together with Tano, I enter the shipyard. Waiting for us at the door is a large scale model of a super yacht. Yes, a white with the yard. And what you see here is one of our models that we've built. This is a very nice way to show what you're doing and totally secret, of course. If you miss that, he said, it's totally secret, of course. This will be made clear to me time and time again throughout my journey. My presence here is highly unusual. In fact, it's not done. Inside the shipyard, there's always a guide at my side and I'm continuously reminded that everything is top secret. I see surprised looks on people's faces as I walk around the grounds. I'm an outsider. And even though I'm holding only a microphone, I'm not allowed to see what the yard is working on. The yachts, their names, their owners, all highly classified and shrouded in secrecy. So it's a good thing I left my spiker at home. We enter the boardroom. This is where design decisions are made and multi-million deals are signed. And we are joined by Arjen van Elk, sales director of FedShip. Well, welcome, John. Welcome here at FedShip. This is the island where we've already started building yachts like 175 years ago. So we know what we do. And it's not the most logical place to build yachts of this size. But it explains that we are here for such a long time. So the yachts became bigger and bigger. But we have clients coming in and they say, well, this looks like Fantasy Island. And that's where you are now. So we're going to discuss how we can help you to have the boat designed and built uh, to your dreams. We're sitting at an impressive teak table with plush chairs. The entire space is surrounded by glass windows that overlook the berths and water beyond. There are people on the water, birds in the air, and I see the small ferry going back and forth between the island and land. I see awards and small stacks of beautifully crafted monographs dedicated to individual fed ships. And as with below, there are scale models and video projections of yachts everywhere. But I'm excited. I can um, see that. Yeah. And uh, so are we. Yeah, so. I'm glad. So I'm, I'm, I have no idea how it works. So is this how it usually goes? Yes, actually. Usually this is set up. We are here with, uh, with Arjen, me, and the client, you. Because we have a lot of questions. You have a lot of questions. Probably would like to hear some answers from both sides. Yeah. Uh, that's how it starts. Maybe before we begin, kind of a little bit of the, the game rules that we're doing here, right? We were, this is, I've been invited to design a yacht. I get the feeling it's not actually going to be built. <laughs> Unless, Who knows? unless Who I can knows, crowdfund. John? Maybe I can crowdfund this thing. Maybe we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Are there any rules? At Fetchip, we always say we can do anything. As long as we can build it and it floats upright. So we like to take a challenge. And especially in the beginning, everything is possible. We start with a blank sheet of paper. And we use our knowledge and our, all, the, all the people in our company, just what we explained uh, just now outside, to Make your dream come true. 
we're here to talk super yachts. And to qualify as a super yacht, a yacht has to be at least 24 meters or roughly 80 feet and be used for private use or chartering. Yachts are becoming bigger and bigger. What used to be a very big yacht in the old days is, well, a smaller yacht nowadays. So it's, uh, it's changing. And there's also people talking about mega yachts. And uh, honestly, uh, yeah. we talk about yachts. Maybe I'm a bit old-fashioned, but I think all the yachts are super. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I agree. We've only known each other for a few minutes, but you're a very positive man, Tano. Very. Another thing, I just just so again, so I understand what I got myself into. What's the difference between a a, a super yacht or a yacht and a fed ship? Yeah, there is details that make the difference, but it's also the history that counts. So it's the heritage. Uh, the, the fat ships are there for a long time. So fat ships started back in 1949. So just after the Second World War, uh, there were a few shipyards in Holland that had no home market. So these yards decided to export their products to the New York Boat Show. And that's where fat ships started. And that is, uh, well, the experience ever since uh, that, that was built up. That counts, and it's very difficult sometimes to say that that makes a difference, but it does. And of course, it's also our dedication to build the very best yachts in the world. It must be perfect or we don't build it. To truly understand the significance of this company and this podcast, there are a few things you need to know. In terms of size, cost, complexity, and prestige, the only thing more exclusive then a fed ship is going to space. Since 1949, only 467 fed ships have been built. For a billionaire willing and able to sign a nine-figure check, it's likely the most significant purchase of their lifetime. Another thing you need to know is that FedShip is a collaboration between two Dutch shipyards and a naval architecture firm, which is crucial to the brand's success. In addition to four construction yards, it comprises 12 different companies with a total of 2,500 employees. And the last thing you need to know, and I cannot stress this enough, I'm not a billionaire. And this may not seem significant now, but it will. It's, it's pure luxury. And of course you don't need it uh, if you take it in account that you need bread, water, and, uh, and a roof above your head. Of course, but I think what we're making is, is more than just a yacht. It is the uh, the ultimate way to uh, spend your time uh, for certain people, of course, that um, that they can't do anywhere else. You say certain people, but I'm certain extremely wealthy people. Yes, and people with a passion to have the very uh, best yacht in the world that that is that is something that uh, that those people have in common sometimes it's people that owned yachts before off the shelf yachts series production yachts and now they're ready to start building full custom that means and that's uh, what we're going to discuss today that you have to think all the locations on the yacht every detail uh, you must think it over okay the rules of the game are clear and I feel totally ready to start designing my own yacht. I've spent weeks researching yachts for this moment. The carte blanche experience starts now. I'm excited for what's ahead. Tono, it's uh, best that you start uh, asking your questions 
because that's actually what it starts yeah. with. And John, if you have a question that I can answer, please let me know. Okay. And the main thing that I want to know from you is why, why do you want to have your yacht? I've thought about it. And I think uh, what I mostly want a yacht for is I want to, maybe it sounds a little bit philosophical, but I want to learn to read the world. So there's a certain uh, element of exploration discovery in there, definitely. So it's mainly exploring the world, uh, going places you have never been before. Yeah. Uh, do you want to do that alone? <laughs> I think it would be awesome for like two weeks to be alone, but then I'd probably right. uh, then I'd probably want to invite my family uh, if I wanted to save my marriage. Um, I mean, I do have some specific requests. I actually I brought with me a small suitcase full of books, and I load them all on the table: adventure novels, biographies of rivers and oceans, monographs of architecture and design movements. These are the books I've been reading all my life. These are the books I study. And now I'm going to use them as inspiration for my own yacht. That's what that would be. This book. This is uh, it's called Barbarian Days: A Surfing Life. It was a time when you didn't have apps or even knowledge of local breaks, and so they went searching for them. So I think a big part of my <laughs> a yacht, if I if I have to pinpoint one specific uh, goal, is to actually surf surf really good waves alone or with a buddy or two. I brought a. It's a biography of the Chelsea Hotel in New York. Every major artist kind of spent time there, and it, it, is, it was a community. Uh, but it was mostly a place where people went to create. I do want a yacht that you do things on, uh, not just lounge, but create things and collaborate with different types of people. I think if I have the money to buy a yacht, I can... I can fly people out and uh, let them enjoy it as well. This is very helpful, Tono. <laughs> Absolutely, this is now, the great. The fact that I brought a job. book on East European modernism probably indicates that I'm probably not the type of guy who would have the type of business to buy a Fed ship. But nonetheless, you have a Aldo van Dijk, his whole playground theory. There's a playfulness to it. Uh, really important, that'll come back, I think, is the Palm Springs, this kind of desert modernism. Uh, and the reason I like modernism is actually the modernists themselves were inspired by uh, by yachts, by shipbuilding, by the utility and the efficiency of shipbuilding. Yeah. So what was nice about the modernists is it wasn't about size. It was actually just about making the best use of space available to you and also dealing a little bit with the elements. To me, this is overwhelming, John. Thanks oh, a lot for good. that. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, you're doing a lot of homework for me here. So that's nice. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. And I love these books, really. This is awesome. This is history. And uh, but it also explains if if I see people standing next to a pool, it, it immediately I start asking the question: Do you want to have a swimming pool on the yacht? My initial response was no. I didn't want a, a pool until uh, I had a conversation with my wife at home, and my wife very much wants a pool. This doesn't need to be a big pool. It needs to be one of those endless pools that she can. She just wants to do some laps oh, while pool. I'm surfing. Also, scuba diving, diving itself, swimming. I'd like to scuba dive for my dinner. I kind of like being put to work. So it'd be kind of cool to spearfish or something like that. That immediately brings me also to uh, shock freezers, things like that. That's very important for, for uh, yeah, to have that and all the equipment on board. So you need some kind of room that's really utilized, that you're utilized for that, oh. especially that. Shock freezer? Are you kidding me? Not a refrigerator, but a room-sized freezer where I can store my fish. It hadn't even occurred to me that I'd need one, but clearly 
It's a must-have for my own yacht. I'm getting a feel for how Tano operates. And, and, and it comes back to the very first thing you mentioned during the conversation that you want to do something with the yacht. Eh? It must be uh, an active place. So probably that will take a certain part of the yacht eh? for all the activities. The toys uh, must be stored there. Uh, the connection with the water. Uh, so there must be something like a beach club. What is a beach club? <laughs> well, you it know sounds, the it sounds lovely. I just don't know what yeah, it is. Yeah, well, it's, uh, I was thinking either to mention the word beach club or activity center because that sounds like you're an active person and you like to do that on board. So that means that you need to have the right place on board to start those things. Yeah, I like this idea. And that's also, again, I'm a, I'm a bit of an architecture buff. So I... I mean, the Frank Lloyd Wright, you know, when you have this prairie house where it's the biggest rooms are communal rooms where people come together uh, and the smaller rooms, uh, the bedrooms are uh, quite small because the whole idea is that people are there to come together. Exactly. Yeah. Now you're making me very enthusiastic, John. <laughs> Thanks. Good. Of course, I'm building now in my mind a lot of pictures, but what triggers me most is always how do you, how are you going to use the boat. How are you going to uh, spend your day on a boat? Could you describe how your day would go? You already mentioned my bedroom is just asleep. Yeah. So let's start there. You, you're sleeping in your bedroom. You wake up in the morning. Do you wake up early? I do. The thing when you surf, you're up early often, right? Because yeah. of the wind. You have to you have to be out there early. So I'm not, I like that. And after that? I'm most creative when I'm traveling. I think I'd like some kind of a big enough studio where I can create things with people. And then, then I'm talking tools. Tano's questions seem odd to me at first. I've always had a general idea of what I wanted in my yacht, but I've never really thought about how I would live on it, which isn't very crazy because, again, I'm not a billionaire. I don't think about these things. But they ask me questions about my daily habits, about my usual routines, about my work life and my private life, pretty intrusive questions. And I answer them dutifully because I need them to design my yacht. I see these books here in front of me, which are awesome. What more does inspire you in architecture? I came down to this kind of this, this, yeah, almost desert modernism. Indoor, outdoors, there, there's not a lot of, you know, a lot of glass would be great. And, and one thing that I've, I've really struggled with in, when kind of brainstorming was this idea of scale. Yeah. When you build buildings, the scale of the building is based on the surroundings. Yeah, true. But how do you determine the size of a yacht when the surroundings is infinity. That's very interesting. How do you guys determine that? How am I going to determine the size of my yacht? Well, proportions are very important on the yacht because you are on the yacht. So um, the human is the standard, so to say. If you make it too big, you don't feel at home. And we really want to create a home on the water. Of course, uh, you also must have all the amenities on board that we're discussing now. So once you've got it all there, uh, there was no real need to make it bigger. Of course, with a bigger yacht, you need a bigger berth. In certain ports, you can't enter because the yacht is too big. So probably you must find uh, well, the right dimensions there. But once everything is drawn into your layout of the yacht and the design looks like the thing you want it to look like, that's it. You don't, you don't most of the times. And it's also related to a certain budget, of course. Uh, uh, the bigger the yard is, the more materials in there. Uh, so that means higher price. So a certain, 
well, if you have a certain budget in mind, that will help us a bit to fit it in as well. The only thing I've ever had tailored before is a surfboard. And now they're designing a complete super yacht customized to my lifestyle. I'm starting to like this. And Tano seems to be enjoying himself too. I think for this, <laughs> for the, to make this podcast interesting, let's just say I have the money. I guess at the end of the day, I'd like my yacht at the very least not to just inspire me, but maybe use this exercise to inspire other people, uh, especially because the sustainability part of it's so really, really important to me uh, in this. And uh, you mentioned a yacht being too big at some point. I mean, I would would hate sailing somewhere and having to park in an industrial area because I was too big to park. And so I don't know what that cutoff is. But I want to be under that. Uh, now we have some numbers there. And uh, th- we see, of course, regulation changing. So certain areas they are th- that are blocked for uh, certain size yachts. So we must take that into consideration, looking at the area where you want to sail. Um, so that, that is some useful information there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Tano and Arian guide me through the design process. They discuss things among themselves and I try to articulate my dreams and wishes as best as I can. But nothing escapes them. Every answer I give, they make clear, will impact the size, shape, and soul of my yacht. Yes, my yacht will have a soul. I throw them a few curveballs. I ask them if they can build me a hydrophonic garden or an observatory, maybe a bowling alley, perhaps even a cryogenic chamber. I tell them I'd like a yacht that travels swiftly across oceans without my guests getting seasick. I also tell them that I want to explore the extremes of sustainability, electric drives, hydrogen propulsion, solar power, that kind of stuff. And they promise me they will explore all these options in depth later. I think good to know is that we have all the knowledge in-house, so we can can really work with the designers, with the builders and uh, the, the engineers to find this optimum, to find the idea, to, to have the ideal yacht designed. And that is also what stands out f- compared to others. Um, so I think that's, that's an important factor to mention. On the other hand, yeah, you were asking, do may people come in for a 120 meter or 122 meter yacht? Well, we have people that come up with a completely design with all the details already uh, drawn on paper and just ask us to bid on it. Others, they don't have a clue, maybe like you came in today. And then we start with this blank piece of paper and we start asking the question and then we will come up with a certain design. So there is different kind of people and uh, therefore we have different yachts built. Every client is different and every yacht is different, I think. So I decide to put this theory to the test. Do you do glass bottom yachts? Did it. <laughs> <laughs> I could, we can play it that way. Uh, uh, underwater wine cellar. Yeah. yeah. Submarine. Yeah. So uh, I, haven't na- I haven't said anything that you guys haven't already done already. Nope. The funny thing is that it's not always uh, us as a shipyard that comes up with these ideas. Sometimes it's the client, it's the designer, or just a few things that inspire the client. He said, well, can I have that on my yacht? And then we said, well, we don't know, but we can find out. Okay, but what, there must be limits. I mean, besides the law of physics, when do you know you're pushing it too far? Like, what have you said no to? 
boundaries that we have is uh, the physical limits. Uh, we've got boundaries of uh, uh, rules and regulations. What is humanly possible? Not everything is possible, but we first want to explore before we say no. Because no, uh, the idea that you have for, for instance, the glass floor is, of course, there's a boundary what you can make from glass. But how far can you push your limits, which is still safe? That's very important uh, and something that we will, will be able to build. I can draw up everything. I can be an Escher, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's got to be safe. It's got to be able to float. Yes. Yeah. Can you have an airplane on these? Like well, a water we've, plane? we've had some designs made where a water uh, plane was uh, added to the yacht. We've got helicopters, including helicopter garages, so hang hangars, uh, drones. That's that's all done. Uh, what else? Uh, floating. It's uh, tenders. It's indeed. It's the jet skis. It's the sea bobs. It's water skiing. It's. I, I uh, always like the water slide coming from the top all the yeah. way down. That's fantastic. Yeah. So I've kind of dumped a lot of information on you. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of curious if it, it, do you have any, does that help you at all? Do you have any clue what, you, what you're going to make? Well, John, uh, you were well prepared when you came in. You really had an idea of what you, what, what is inspiring for you. And that's very important for me. So all the things that are here on the table and uh, the ideas that you just told me are creating a lot of images in my mind already. I really need some time to put things on paper. Um, what was really inspiring for me is the Frank Lloyd Wright uh, architecture and this book here, Palm Springs Weekend, for instance, really gives me a great idea of what visions you have of a perfect, and not a yacht, but perfect design, so to say. And I really want to take that as an inspiration for right with you. Yeah, definitely. If you, if we can get anywhere close to like a modernist bungalow, right? I don't know how you'd possibly create that <laughs> a floating bungalow, but that's kind of where I landed. Uh, that seems to be if I if I had a dream, and have my own modernist bungalow that that goes wherever I go. That sounds great. Yeah. Well, let let me take some time and come back to you whenever I can. Uh, I will give you some more feedback. On, on this and um, yeah, let's let's make it work. Yeah, and you have my number, so uh, absolutely, <laughs> yeah, I will call you. <laughs> if you ever want to call, go ahead. I, I'm, I'm I'm here Same for here. you. <laughs> Same here. Cool. After Tano, I had a meeting with Marsha van Boutenen. It's our pleasure uh, and our privilege to create these things for people with an amazing team of people as well. Like Arian, she's a sales director at FedShip but also a specialist in the so-called FedShip experience, which means she's guided her fair share of owners through this process. All smiles and larger than life, I immediately share my concerns about becoming an owner. I mean, can you just describe to me the typical FedShip owner? There's no such thing as a typical FedShip owner. He must dress better than I do. We, I've had clients come in in swimming trunks and flip-flops. Okay, that makes me feel better. It's not business. It is leisure. It is their free time. It is, it should be their comfort zone. At the same time, it, it's not something they do every day either. You do not buy a fetch ship every day. So it's exciting for them as well to, to go out to spend this kind of money on a single thing that is not a necessity. Marsha's role that will be critical when it comes to opening locked doors, marching me past security guards, 
and introduced me to captains, engineers, carpenters, and other key players of FedShip's yacht-building ecosystem. Without Marsha, I'd be nowhere. So you had your first meetings with Tano and with Arjen? Yeah. You had your first discussions on what a design could be? So now I have the information to start drawing. What we would like to do is, is take you along to several locations and have you talk to several people and really get an insight of what is possible. So we'd love for you to actually visit one of our yachts, speak to the captain, have a look at what they see in a yacht, what's happening there, because we can tell you about it, but we'd rather have you experience it. What we'd also like you to do is go to the shipyard, seeing where it's built, seeing the different phases it starts with a steel plate and it ends with an amazing product. We'd also love you to talk with our knowledge and innovation team. See where we are today, but what is tomorrow, what is next year and what is in 10 years? How can we uh, design a yacht for that? How can we prepare for that? And how we can we be, for example, more sustainable? What kind of innovations are there? What is also, of course, a, an interesting one is what happens with all the yachts that are out there? Because we're building a yacht for you. But in a certain time, you're going to use it. But it's a big machine. It needs constant love and care. So having a chat with Pierre, our refit and services director, could really give you an insight on what happens there. And then lastly, well, if you had the whole design process and we've been talking about building, well, then it's the pièce de résistance. That's your boat. When we've done it, when you deliver it, there it is. I get the feeling that I, I rolled into this and I, I'm hearing from left and right that it's quite unusual that I'm here. Did I sneak through the back door? Oh, yes, you did. We usually uh, are a quite guarded uh, industry because privacy is a, a very important thing for our clients. They are usually uh, public figures. So having that privacy level, because a yacht in essence is a house. You don't want everybody looking into your bedroom. That, that is your private area. So that's what we do here. We, we really guard the privacy of our clients and what we do. Um, so yes, coming in is a golden ticket. So I would say enjoy the ride because it is quite something. I'm on my way home and I'm still reeling from the day. My head is full and I'm totally excited, but I'm also overwhelmed after an entire day of talking about my yacht. And if I'm being honest, I'm also starting to second-guess some of my choices. Am I really going to use a cryogenic chamber? And do I really need a hydraulic ping-pong table? Tenno has assured me he can design it all. But to make sure it's all technically feasible, I have a meeting with FedShip's Knowledge and Innovation Department. May I go into construction details? Please, please. Well, Overwhelm you with, with knowledge and everything. And we'll also take a look at a fully hydrogen-powered racing boat. Does it have a name? She's called Aurora because Aurora is the goddess of dawn and every morning she flies over the water. You'll hear all this and more on episode two of FedShip Uncovered. 